Father, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for those that are here and for those who are not because of other reasons, sick children, uh, out of town, other issues that have come up. And Father, I pray that you'd open our hearts today to hear you. What do you want to say to us? What do you want us to leave here today with that we would take and implement in our lives? And Father, I pray that you would deepen our prayer lives as we go through this study together. And so, Lord, speak through me now and point us to you. And Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. How do you respond when God does not answer your prayer in the way that you had hoped he would? Are you disappointed? Do you get angry? God, why? Are you jealous of how he's answered somebody else's prayer? Well, God, I prayed the same thing she prayed, and you gave her what she wanted, but you didn't give me. Or are you, do you have a peace that God's in control and that he has a purpose for the way that he answered your prayer? Have you ever thought about the fact that God gave his own son a no when he asked for something in the Garden of Gethsemane? Well, this week we looked at the model prayer that was given by Jesus to his disciples in Matthew 6, 9 to 13. And his disciples had watched him pray, and they wanted to pray like Jesus prayed. And so they asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so he gave them a model prayer in Matthew 6, 9 to 13. And it wasn't a prayer that he wanted them to memorize and just repeat the words mechanically. It wasn't to be a prayer that they wrotely said, but it was a a prayer, a model prayer to guide them through praying and what components need to be included in our prayers. I pretty much summarize those components into four areas, worship, surrender, supplication, and confession. And those four areas pretty much are things that we just should naturally include when we pray. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in any order. But this week we also looked at two prayers of Jesus, two actual prayers. That was not an actual prayer, that was a model prayer. But we looked at his actual prayers in John 17 and in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we see how Jesus incorporated those components from the Lord's Prayer into his own prayers. Worship, surrender, supplication. Now, he didn't include confession because obviously he had nothing to confess. He was sinless. But he used those other components of prayer. And so today we're going to look. I'm not going to teach from the Lord's Prayer. Uh, You might have been expecting that because that was what most of our lesson was on. But what I want to do this morning is, is go through the Garden of Gethsemane prayer and 
just look at how Jesus prayed. It's recorded in three of the four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but we're going to spend most of our time looking at the account in Matthew. So go ahead, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 26, 36 to 46. I'm not going to read it all at, at, right now at the front end of this because we're going to go through it piece by piece. And you've also studied it this week in your lesson. But Matthew 26, 36 to 46 will be our base. And I'll also refer to the other gospel accounts from time to time. Do you want to pray like Jesus prayed? I do. And so if we want to learn, if we want to pray like he did, let's learn from his prayers. And so what I want to do is we look at the Garden of Gethsemane. I want to give you six principles that we can apply from his prayer in the garden to our own prayer lives that will help us pray like Jesus prayed. So the first principle is we need to be real with our feelings. In Matthew 26, verses 36 to 38, It reads, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and watch with me. Keep watch with me. And in the Luke account, in Luke 22, Luke tells us that he was in agony, and he was praying very fervently. Jesus was struggling that night with his emotions, with his feelings. He was distressed, troubled, deeply grieved, in agony. And he didn't hide his emotions. He didn't hide what he was feeling. He didn't pretend that everything was hunky-dory. Guys, I got this. Y'all stay here. I'm going to go have a little chat with the Father. We got this. It wasn't, he didn't try to come across as, wow, I got that. I'm, I'm tough. Don't worry about me. He was very honest with his disciples from the time they got to the Garden of Gethsemane, and even more so with his three that he took further into the garden. And he just laid it out there and went, I am deeply grieved. I am am distressed. I'm in agony. He was honest with himself. He was honest with his disciples. And we'll see in his prayer, he was honest with the Father. He didn't hold those feelings in, but he was very transparent with what he was feeling. And if we want to pray like Jesus did, we need to be real with our feelings. We need to be honest with ourselves instead of saying, oh, I'm fine. Nope, good. Everything's good. We need to be honest with a a close circle of friends. And I hope that everyone in this room has at least one other person that you can go to and say, I am really hurting here. That we'd be honest and not try to always keep that good front, that everything's great. 
and that we would be honest with the Father. In Hebrews 5, 7, we get a deeper glimpse into this prayer. Hebrews 5, 7 tells us, In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplication with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And so from that last part of that verse, it is assumed that this was part of his that night in Gethsemane because he was about to die. And so he's crying out to the Father, loud crying. He didn't hold back his emotions. And in some ways, it is hard for me to imagine Jesus this distressed and grieved. It's hard for me because I think of him as God. You're tough, you're strong. But on the other hand, it encourages me to see him like this because he knew what it's like to agonize. He knew what it was like to feel grieved and distressed. And that should encourage you and me when we think nobody understands. He does because he went through those emotions that we go through. He didn't hold them back. If we're going to pray like Jesus, we have to be real with our feelings. A second principle to help us pray like Jesus is that we need to be focused on God's character. And this correlates with the worship component of the Lord's Prayer. He began his model prayer with our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's how he said, begin your prayers, focusing on on God the Father. And that's exactly how he began his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's how we're to begin our prayers, focused on the Father. Our Father who's in heaven, sovereign, holy. We're to magnify his name. In the is prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I, I like the way that Mark words it in Mark 14:36, because there he uses the term Abba, Father. All things are possible for you. Abba is a term of intimacy. It's like our saying, Daddy. And he went to his father. But then he focused on his attribute of omnipotence. All things are possible for you. I know, Father, that you are all-powerful. And there's nothing that you can't do. You have the power to change this situation if you want to. So when we come to God in prayer, if we're going to pray like Jesus, we need to begin by focusing on God's character. And that's why I love studying the attributes of God, because whatever situation we find ourselves in, we can always find an attribute to to encourage us to focus on. When life seems unfair, God, you're, you're just. When I'm feeling inadequate to do a task that God has given me to do, God, you're faithful, and you'll bring it to pass. When I'm feeling unloved, but God, you are loved. When I'm feeling lonely, God, you are always with me. 
There's always an attribute that we can cry out and recognize in our time. So if we're going to pray like Jesus did, we need to first be real with our feelings, and then we need to be focused on God's character. The third principle, be honest about your desires. This correlates with the supplication and request in the Lord's Prayer, where he tells the disciples, you know, ask for your daily bread, ask for forgiveness, ask for protection from the evil one. Make your desires known to God. What do you need? What do you want? And Jesus, in this prayer in Gethsemane, was honest about his desires, about what he wanted. In Matthew 26, 39, he says, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. In Mark 14, 36, he said, All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. And in Luke twenty two forty two, he said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Jesus was honest about his desire. Remove this cup. And that cup was his having to die for the sins of the world. He wasn't questioning God's power. He knew God was powerful enough to change it if he wanted to. But he was just honestly expressing what his desire. In Cricket's paraphrase, I see, I can hear him saying, Father, if you're willing, is there another way to pay for the sins of the world besides my having to die? Because if there is God, I prefer that route than this. Is there another way? Because I really would like for you to change the plan. And why? Why did God want, why, why did he want his father to, to remove that cup? Because he knew it was not going to be easy. <clears throat> he knew he was going to experience great pain. He knew that he was going to experience humiliation. But I think the thing that bothered him the most was knowing that the moments that he hung on the cross and carried our sins, that he was going to be separated from the Father. He was going to experience a loneliness he'd never experienced before. And he did not want to go through that separation from his Father. And so he asked, can you change the plan? Is there another way? But you know, he, he did not want to die on the cross necessarily in his human side, but he did so that we'd never have to experience that separation. He was honest about his desires, and we need to be honest with God about our desires. We need to tell him honestly what's on our heart. God, this is what I want. I want this diagnostic test to come back negative. I want my, my husband or my child to come to Christ. I want this job. I want a husband. I want a child. Whatever it is that is on our heart, we need to be honest. Lay it before him. But then move to the next principle. 
If you want to pray like Jesus, be real with your feelings, be focused on God's character, be honest about your desires, and fourth, be willing to surrender to the Father's will. And this correlates to the surrender part of the Lord's Prayer when he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is a a surrender. Jesus prayed that way in Matthew 26 in, in Gethsemane. He said, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Your will be done. And in his second time of prayer, when he went back for the second time to pray in verse 42... He says, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And then in Luke's account, he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. He laid his desire before the father. If there's a way to do this, an easier way, God, I'd really prefer that. But I surrender to your will. He wanted the Father's will more than he wanted his will, because he trusted his Father. What a great model for us to pray and how to pray. Go to God with your desires, but always leave them in that open hand and just say, but God, if this isn't what you want, I don't want it either. Do you want something that God doesn't want for you? I can think of times that I thought I knew what was best. And as I look back at all those no's that I got from God and see what he did instead, I'm like, I'm so glad you didn't do what I asked you. If it's not his will, we, we shouldn't want it. And that's what Jesus was saying. If this isn't your will, I don't want it, Father. Your will be done. And is there something that you need to let go of and leave it in God's hands? And can you pray, God, I want your will more than I want mine? It's hard. But you and I can't see the whole picture. And God can And this just comes back to that word trust. If you want to pray like Jesus did, we need to be real with our feelings, focused on God's character, honest about our desires, willing to surrender to the Father's will, and the fifth principle, be committed to prayer. Jesus valued prayer. And he was committed to prayer. We see that throughout the Gospels as he would pull away to a lonely place. He spent an entire evening praying about the disciples and who they would be. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed not once, not twice, but three times. And we don't know exactly how long, but we get an indication from one point when he told Peter, Can you not stay awake for an hour? That he spent an hour in one of those times of prayer. 
praying. He was committed to prayer. And he kept bringing his requests before the Father. And he wanted his disciples to be committed to prayer because he did. He kept going to check on his disciples and they were asleep. And he would say, especially to Peter, can't you keep watch with me for an hour? Keep watching and praying. Be committed to prayer. And so why did he keep going back to God in prayer? One time, another time. Why did he keep going back? And it tells us in one of the passages, he prayed the same thing again. Why did he repeat his prayer? Why did he go back? Well, maybe he thought he could persuade the Father, if he asked enough, to change the plan. But I think he kept going back to the Father because he wanted to seek his Father's will. And he wanted to allow his, the Father to prepare his heart for the answer, whatever that answer would be. And as we spend time in prayer, that allows us to seek God's will, but also it allows God to work in our hearts to prepare us for the answer. Well, after the third time in prayer in the garden, he knew God's answer. His Father's plan was the only plan that would save the world from their sins. And so his father said, No, I'm not going to answer your request in the way that you want it. I'm not going to take the cup away. And Jesus accepted that answer. And I think he was able to because he had spent time in the father's presence talking about it, probably. Well, I'd love to know more of what they talked about. But he got up and he went to the disciples and he said, the time's come for me to be betrayed. Let's get up and go. He didn't hesitate. And some would say, well, then what good did his prayers do? God didn't answer his prayer. God gave him a no. His prayers made no difference. But it did. Because God used that time of prayer to prepare his son for his answer and what was ahead. And through that time in prayer, the father brought Jesus to the place of surrender and trust. And God may not answer our prayers in the way we want. We want a yes, and God may give us a no. But he wants us to still commit to prayer. Because he uses that time, I talked about this last week, he uses that time to align our hearts with his will and to bring us to that place of submission. I asked the question this week in your study, and I'm sure you talked about this in your small groups, do our prayers change God's will or plan? Can our prayers change God's will? No. And the reason why is because God is sovereign. He is in control, and he knows exactly what he's going to do. He's got a plan mapped out. And we can't improve God's plan. If you and I could control God, 
by our prayers, then God's not sovereign. But he is sovereign. We can't control God. God controls his plan in his sovereignty. I like the way R.C. Sproul answers this question. And he has a book called Now, That's a Good Question. And I like the way he answers that question. And I put this up here for you to, to read with me. But he says, but can our request change God's sovereign plan? Of course not. When God sovereignly declares that he is going to do something, all the prayers in the world aren't going to change God's mind. God alone is sovereign. You and I can't control God. We can't control him by our prayers. Because if we could, he would no longer be sovereign. Then I asked you the question, well, if our prayers won't change God's will, why do we spend time praying about something? If God's going to do what his plan is, then I don't need to waste time praying. Well, we just saw how God used that time in prayer with Jesus to change and, and prepare Jesus for what the plan was. But Sproul goes on to say in this just continuing what he started. He said, but God, I love this. God not only ordains ends, he also ordains means to those ends. And part of the process he uses to bring his sovereign will to pass are the prayers of his people. And so we are to pray. God uses our prayers to change circumstances, to bring about his perfect plan. He uses our prayers to do his will. He gives us the privilege when we pray for somebody's health or salvation and that person's healed, our prayers are used in that process to bring it about. But it was part of his sovereign plan. Our prayers just give us the privilege of being part of his work. Our prayers can be the means to accomplishing God's plans. And so be committed to prayer. Jesus was. Make it a priority. I talked about that last week. Let God work in your heart through the time that you spend in prayer. And let God, allow God to use your prayers to accomplish his will. So if we want to pray like Jesus, we're just going to review again. I keep repeating. But we need to be real with our feelings, be focused on God's character, be honest about our desires, be willing to surrender to the Father's will, be committed to prayer, and the last principle be alert to the spiritual battle. In the Lord's Prayer, his, the model prayer, one of the supplications that he modeled for them was in Matthew six thirteen, when he said, Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. And I'm sure you talked about this this morning in your groups, that, uh, well, I didn't know that God could lead us into temptation. And I don't believe that that's what this is saying. 
I think it's more of praying, God, do not let me stray off your path into temptation. Don't let me put myself into temptation where I'm having to to call out to you for help. He knew that they were in the middle of a spiritual battle with an enemy that wanted to take them down. He knew what was ahead. He knew that they would be tempted to deny him, to walk away from their faith, to compromise with the world. And he wanted them to be aware that you are part of a very serious, ongoing battle. And you need to be alert. And you and I are in that same battle today. We need to pray for protection from the evil one. We need to pray that for ourselves and for others. In uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, in Mark's account, in Mark 14, 37 and following, he emphasizes this several times as he was praying. After the first time when he prayed, he went and he found Peter and the disciples sleeping And he said, Simon, are you asleep? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In every gospel account of this prayer, Jesus kept emphasizing, keep praying so that you won't fall into temptation. And Peter was going to be tested very soon, and he ended up failing. I wonder what would happen if he had prayed more. But God's sovereign. He had a plan. But Peter wasn't prepared for that battle. Prayer keeps us alert. It keeps us ready to fight off temptations. Don't be caught sleeping when we should be praying. So if you want to pray like Jesus prayed, we need to follow his model prayer and apply these six principles from his prayer, his actual prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Be real about your feelings. Be focused on God's character. Be honest about your desires. Be willing to surrender to the Father's will. Be committed to prayer. Be alert to the spiritual battle. And I want to ask you today, I hope you'll go home this afternoon. And if you can't do it today, maybe tomorrow, but I think the sooner the better. I'd like to ask you to go home and look at these six principles. And really evaluate your prayer life. God, which of these six principles... Am I doing well? And I don't even think you have to ask God. I think you know. I knew exactly what am I doing well. But then ask, what am I not doing so well? Where do I need to improve in my prayer life to be able to be able to pray like you did? You know, one of the things uh, that really jumped out to me in my own life was just I don't pray enough about the spiritual battle. I just kind of get complacent, and I forget about it. But God has convicted me in this lesson that I need to be praying more for protection. For me, for us, for our pastors, for ministry leaders. 
we're in a battle, but I, I just typically just kind of don't think about it. And so I'm asking God to help me stay more in tune to the fact that, yes, we are in a battle. Take time this week to just ask him to show you, what do I need to work on? What am I doing well? Because I really do pray that we would pray like Jesus prayed. And can you imagine what God would do in our lives if we did? And what he could do through us if we prayed like he did. I'm going to pray and then we're going to close by singing uh, a song that I put in day two of your lesson of I Surrender All. But let me pray and then we'll sing that and then you're dismissed. Father, thank you so much for giving us a model prayer, but then also just letting us listen in on your prayer, Lord. Hearing how you approach the Father. And Lord, even hearing the Father give you a no encourages me because I get to see the bigger plan of why that no was so important. Father, help us when we don't get those answers that we want. Help us to just trust you. And Lord, keep us focused on you. We just commit this to you, Father. Take us deeper in our prayer lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen.